0: This is In Search of the Pluriverse. We are Sophie Creer
1: and Eric Wong. Join us on our quest for a world in which many worlds fit.
0: We were invited by Het Nieuwe Instituut to be the first curators of their traveling academy.
1: You can follow us online at pluriverse.hetnieuweinstituut.nl i take a deep breath too. <laughs> <laughs> Well, welcome back, dear listeners. After the eight warming up talks we collected, we'd like to welcome you to this new series of podcasts in our search for the rivers, testing Istanbul's waters. In five short talks, we anticipate on the upcoming thirst walk due to take place two weeks from now, as part of the closing activities of the fifth Istanbul Design Biennale. This thirst provoking walk will provide perspectives on water from designer Noor Orsanallah Urbanist Yashar Adnan Adanale, ecologist and activist Lian Poa, and architects Eva Pfannes and Sylvain Hartenberg from Ouz. Artist Serkan Tayjan will be our virtual guide. Water supply in urban areas is vital, no exception for Istanbul, where the water distribution system dates back to pre-Roman times. Water as a commons, as metaphor, as politics. The question is, who quenches Who's thirst? Noor, welcome.
0: Okay, thank you, Sophie.
1: <laughs> Noor, you are a designer based in Istanbul and you're part of the Young Curators Group with, mm-hmm. and correct me if the spelling I haven't been rehearsing as much, Ulaya Soleil and Elul Chensis.
0: Uh, Ulya, Ulya and Eidel Santos, yes.
1: For the fifth Istanbul Design Biennale entitled Empathy Revisited. And uh, as a young curators group, you make sure that the work that's produced is of value to locals. So this is super important, right? Because you, in a way, are the guardians <laughs> of <laughs> whatever, whatever gets started, these beautiful new beginnings that Mariana Peshtana talked with us on this same uh, podcast Mm -hmm. series about six months ago. And you are making sure as a young curators group that the ideas can be continued or reused after the Biennale ends. And this is especially important with the pandemic, I imagine, uh, this year, because curators, artists uh, have not been able to travel to Istanbul uh, as much as would normally be the case for a biennial. Um so you have a very busy day ahead. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I do have a busy day today.
1: <laughs> and this is the reason we are speaking to each other uh, on this very <laughs> at this very early time. It's 8:30 uh, the Hague time and 9:30 Istanbul time. I was wondering could you do you mind sharing with our listeners uh, so they get a, a kind of idea of what you're up to today uh, your to-do
0: list for the day. Like today especially I prepared a very detailed to-do list, actually, so uh, let me open Okay, it's in Turkish, but I will translate this as I go. So after our talk, I have to go I, I have to across the bridge to the Anatolian side of Istanbul to go to St. Joseph High School to get some ceramics that's made by students, and then we will install them in a project in Fenerbahce Park. And then we have a photo shoot of the work and then uh, we might I invited a chef to activate those units as we photo shoot so we'll prepare some food there uh, and a bunch of more questions that I have to ask people about the upcoming events that I'm planning yeah and then I have to collect stones like from the coast for another project today what what is that project what are the uh, it's it's about food preservation methods. And one of the units is a pickling unit. And we thought that it would be nice to collect stones from the coast instead of using these fermentation weights. So we kind of make use of the locality of the where project is, is situated, yeah.
1: <laughs> Wonderful. So crossing a bridge, picking up ceramics, collecting yes. stones, <laughs> and meanwhile, asking some, uh, some important questions as well. That's quite. That's quite a day ahead. Back to your trajectory um, as a maker. You graduated from Istanbul Bilgi University uh, okay. in the Industrial Product Design Department, where, funnily enough, and I heard this on a, a podcast that was published by IKSV in Turkish, but I I have <laughs> I have dear insiders who translated it for me. Uh, you realized at Istanbul Bilgi University that design is much more than products alone, right? That it's also about societal issues. Uh, With this realization as a luggage, you completed your MA studies at Aalto University in Finland, which is also where you contributed as a curatorial assistant to the Finnish pavilion of the 12th uh, Triennale in Milano. And um, listeners who are curious can look up the slender design of of this uh, flooded (laughs) pavilion. It's very poetic. You see a little boy, like a child bringing in a canoe. Uh, and it's like a spatial meditation on rising waters, I find. It's a, it's a very beautiful design. But um, about your time in Finland, one thing that struck me in the uh, interview you gave in Turkish was that you said that you felt or you you saw the impact of modernism in Finland. And I was wondering, from your own perspective, like from where you come from, from where from where you speak from, What gave you that feeling? Like, where did you see modernism? Was it the way things were done? Was it in terms of aesthetics? Was it in terms of communication? Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, Well, firstly, in Finland, obviously, there's this um, architectural and design aesthetics that is very a part of the everyday life. In a hospital, you go in the school, in anybody's house you enter, you see this modern uh, alto furniture and so on. So it was there visually for me. But also in the how people act and live, they I feel like, especially compared to Istanbul in Finland, things were a bit more one like united. They were things were done in similar ways and people taught in similar ways. I felt less diversity. Huh? Yes, yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, where I speak uh, definitely comes from my experience in Istanbul because Istanbul was very diverse, very. Uh, ever-changing all the time and things exist together like informal and formal things exist together post-industrial and uh, pre-industrial things exist together so uh, Istanbul as a city was very very multiple like in a way It, it it has many types many modes of being and living and in Finland I think that was a bit more um Regular, like it's homogeneous. It's the right homogeneous, word. Homogeneous, yeah. Perhaps <laughs> that's the right
1: word. Less <laughs> yeah. heterogeneous
0: and more homogeneous. Yes. Yeah.
1: Well, you've just described in a, in a beautiful way the reason that with In Search of the Pluriverse, we wanted to begin in Istanbul because for both Eric Wong and I, <laughs> with whom I, I co host the series, Istanbul is such a pluriversal place. And so I for think. us, it's really it's one of the places to start. water doesn't wait and time doesn't wait. Let's dive right into the uh, (laughs) reason that I asked you for this podcast series. It was your graduation project and funnily enough it was also your contribution to the fourth design biennial called School of Schools uh, which was all about learning from the streets and this project is called Halet Mech. Do you mind explaining to our listeners who are not familiar with this term what Halet Mech means?
0: Yeah, um, Halet Mech is a Turkish verb, which may roughly translate to uh, taking care of something or fixing or handling. But I think it has a sense of confidence in it, which I, that's what I like about it. If somebody is sa- telling you that they will, let make this, yeah, you can be sure that it will be taken care of. In Turkish, I would say, ben bu işi halledeceğim, for instance, I will, let make this job or problem. Wonderful. Well, and this, um,
1: this term is something you researched quite in depth because you, you did field work and you collected in a book, which is available online. And I will post the, the link under this SoundCloud talk for our listeners. Uh, you collected 70 objects or 70 situations, I would say, mm-hmm. that demonstrate inventive uses of waste materials, but also unused objects. And, and that's very interesting ways to circumvent municipal rules and prohibitions, <laughs> right? So in a way, we yes. documented new interfaces of, of public spaces in Istanbul. And one okay. of the 70 objects, and this brings us back to <laughs> water, is a tool used by fishermen on the Galata Bridge. Mm-hmm. This morning, you shared a little movie in Turkish, which I would like now to uh, stream. And we'll listen to two fishermen, They're on this bridge. I can imagine bridges are always a little bit of an extension of a city, but they are also a kind of a margin because they they cross over to another side. And then there's that whole body of water under there, continuously streaming. So can you sketch a little bit for us the world of the bridge, of the Galata Bridge?
0: The Galata Bridge spans the Golden Horn in Istanbul. It connects Kareköy and Eminönü, which are arguably the most busiest places in Istanbul. and then on top of the bridge there are fishermen tourists restaurants street vendors cars a tram line like it's a, it's almost as busy as the district it connects to and uh, like all these actors create their own uh, self-organized uh, hub in my opinion because they exist because of each other on the bridge i feel <laughs> you I have talked to two fishermen on the bridge, and one of them was explaining to me how this object is made by carpenters and it's been sold here, and this object is used by almost all fishermen right now in Istanbul. It really became this object that spread throughout the city. And uh, the second fisherman then told me that, no, there's no need for a carpenter. It's super easy. You just get wood and just use the tools you have at hand to cut and bring put it together. No use for a carpenter. So there was this tension there like that they we're discussing whether this object should be built by carpenters or not.
1: And what is your role? Your role then as a designer in this? How do you see your own role as a designer of vernacular or
0: mm-hmm.
1: interventionist in vernacular practices? I would
0: say I'm learning things from vernacular objects that I see. For instance, I'm learning how design can be uh, more instant or more provisional in a way, or that it can be on the spot rather than what we learn at school, which is a planned and linear activity, perfected and one form, standardized forms for different people. I am not yet uh, making something out of what I learned from Halitmek, but I am rethinking and maybe even unlearning design through looking at those examples. I'm realizing suddenly that our listeners haven't seen, of
1: course, the little video that I was screen sharing just now. Do you mind describing the actual tool? Like very practically, what does this tool look like?
0: So it's a wooden bracket, we can say, which has two v-shaped cuts on both hands and it's attached to the bridge with ropes and hooks. It's mainly a, a resting place for the fishing rod how do you explain the popularity of it as opposed to
1: other improvised solutions? Because in the book, uh, Halit Mm -hmm. you state, and I quote you, when the solution is the most valid one, it can become archetypal. So that's indeed the dream, right, of every designer, that that need can can be met uh, in the best way possible and in the most inclusive and perhaps diverse way possible
0: this was actually very surprising for me to see how, it's, how how widespread it was not only in Galta Bridge but other bridges in Istanbul as well and then I was surprised to actually overcome examples that are repeating and kind of creating their own now know-how and archetypes. I, that's why I call them design actually because they somehow work very well that is used by everyone and that the knowledge is shared like an open source design.
1: And um, maybe going back to the Biennale, uh, the theme of this Biennale, uh, as I mentioned, is empathy, right? So the ability to sense with another living being. Um, And I mean, for me, water is a is a life form. It's a form Mm -hmm. of life. And what did you learn i was wondering from these uh, obs- from your observations of these fishermen on the on the bridge what did you learn from their way of being with water or sensing water because fishing is is a non verbal practice let's say yeah. <laughs> there's no language involved it's a very bodily practice it's also spatial there is distance there is time involved there is maybe smell or movement
0: yeah. involved yeah it's a social practice for the fishermen there too. I think the water, the body of water around Gota Bridge is somehow bringing the community together. It's uh, like a facilitator of conversations or friendships that happen in the bridge. And uh, like the fisherman is there, but there are other actors that host the fishermen, for instance, the tea sellers or the vendors that sell fishing equipment for the fishermen. Everything on the bridge is kind of builds up from the bridge's structural and physical features. Like, for instance, because the bridge is steel, they, the fishermen use magnets to attach their tools on the bridge or they use this railings cross diagonal pattern to attach things. And uh, everything is somehow part of the bridge and is designed in a way because of the bridges in that shape and form. I think the fishermen, if even they're alone, not talking to anyone, they're communicating with the water. So in that sense, I think water is both this facilitator that brings everyone together, but also a relational being that people communicate, just as you say, not verbally, but more bodily and spiritually
1: in a way, yeah. Let's move from the spiritual to politics. Um, yeah. um, because with this edition of uh, of In Search of the Pluriverse, what we wanted to do to take the, the pulse of, of this beautiful city in this podcast series was we're trying to find out about the city's relationship with the water by exploring on one hand its cultural uses, so like the fishing, its historical uses and imaginaries, but also uh, there's, of course, another side to it, which is water being used as an instrument of, of policy making. And uh, on our web magazine, under the tab location, we've posted a, a piece about Istanbul, right? And the situation, the water situation there. And the piece starts with a, a photo taken by you of mm-hmm. a cesme. So I was, I'm going to share it now with you. Maybe you could describe this image to our listeners, like what do we see and Mm -hmm. what is a cesme?
0: Yeah, so this is... I took this photo in a neighborhood of Istanbul, which is a very busy place with a lot of shops and it's the hub for electrical appliances and lamps in particularly. So, uh, and suddenly there's this historical, very beautifully ornamented cesme in the middle of all the business and shops. And I, it was the first time I noticed it. So I was very excited to, to look at it as a passerby. And yeah, Çeşme means public fountain in Turkish. And they used, they date they, they back to very old, old uh, times of Istanbul. And they used to work as uh, places that people can get water. And now, they're not being working for a long time but yeah with the po- new policy making with the new mayor of istanbul that the, there's a project that uh, will, aims to get this cesmes working again in the city yeah so um, you, you you mentioned indeed İmamoli, right? your city's
1: popular mayor at, at the moment how do you is this a, a decision the decision to reactivate these public fountains is that a decision that
0: uh, a lot of people embrace like from your generation how do you all feel about this I don't live by a closed cesme but even though when I'm walking in Istanbul in the city I really wish they would work and that I could somehow connect with the city and its uh, built environment in further but when I look at this photo particularly I really think that all these shops and sellers around would make great use of the cesme and it would somehow maybe has the potential to ease their everyday practices in the city. Uh,
1: we are already arriving at the end of this, of this talk. As I mentioned, this is a teaser talk and there will be more <laughs> soon. Because in a few weeks time, Noor, uh, you're going to be part of a first walk that Eric Wohm and I uh, will organize. And uh, the idea originally was that we were going to meet up in Istanbul, right, with uh, yeah. makers, based in the Netherlands and makers based in in Turkey, of which you are uh, part of. And we were going to exchange knowledge and perspectives and do a field trip, a full day, etc. Well, uh, COVID-19 is keeping us all at home, obviously. Um, So we came up with this idea of having a physical walk combined with a virtual conversation. Um, And in anticipation of this, we're going to send you some instructions by post. Uh, let's say we're going to send you a message in a bottle. And one of the instructions uh, that I'll share with you right now is that we're going to ask you to tap drinking water in a public site near your house. Uh, so where will you be doing that? Like, Could you
0: describe a place that you're now thinking of? <laughs> um, well, I can cannot really do that from a public fountain, because I live in a bit of a remote area, sadly, currently. I guess I could do that from a supermarket then (laughs) or maybe ask someone to fill it for me maybe a shop or so that could be also a way of getting public water I guess. (laughs) Uh, I live in Ayaza which is it's not a historical part of the city it's quite newly built and there are new buildings around so not much fountains to be found sadly. Now I'm also thinking that uh, actually all mosques have chishmas, which can be a place to get water.
1: Thank you so much, Noor, for this wonderful talk. It was a pleasure to, to exchange oh, with you, you and to finally meet you, even though it's virtual.
0: Yeah, I also really enjoyed it. Thank you, Sophie.
1: <laughs> if you're thirsty to know more about Noor's work, you can visit her website, noorarsanale.com. Uh, Halitmek, as I mentioned, was published as a 200- 84-page book, which you can (laughs) read on issue, and the link will be posted under this talk. And uh, to find out uh, what Noor and the Young Curators Collectives are up, please join us for the live stream of uh, the 5th Istanbul Design Biennale on April 24 uh, in the afternoon. And you can find out uh, all about that if you go to iksv.org. This was one of the five teasers in the series, Testing Istanbul's Waters part of In Search of the Pluriverse. Stay tuned for the next talk to be published soon. And for more background on this project, you can dig into our Travelling Academy web magazine at pluriverse.hetnewinstitute.nl. You can follow us on Instagram at In Search of the Pluriverse. My name is Sophie Krier, and I had the pleasure to be your host today. The tune is by Yakomiri and our audio engineer is Tse Kao. In Search of the Pluriverse is part of the Travelling Academy, an initiative of Het Nieuwe Institute in close partnership with the Consulate General in Istanbul and embassies in Germany, Morocco, Spain and the UK. The Travelling Academy brings together makers from these regions and the Netherlands to learn how formal and informal ways of knowing can support each other in tackling ecological, socio-political and spatial issues.